the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way, you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic, and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. Socialpeta is the world's leading advertisement, creative spy, and analysis platform dedicated to offering top ad creatives and marketing strategies for both advertisers and publishers. Serving as an essential ad and marketing intelligence platform, Socialpeta focuses on ad intelligence, cost intelligence, super important, and ad creatives. They have over 200 enterprise clients, including the big guys, Google, Supercell, FunPlus, and so many more. Go check them out. It is socialpeta.com. That, once again, is socialpeta, like a pet, peta.com. What is up at Masters Virtual Summit attendees? Welcome to this amazing summit where I've got an amazing, amazing guest for you. We're going to talk about all about growth. He comes from a very well-known company that I use and enjoy as well. And I see, I met him in New York and I was like, you got to come on. Let me interview you. Would you please let me have you on this summit as well? His name is Shoji Ueki. He is the Senior Director of Growth Marketing at SeatGeek. He has experience driving growth across various startups and he leads SeatGeek. If you haven't heard of them, they are the marketplace for tickets to sports, concerts, and other live events. They also recently became the official ticketing partner for the Dallas Cowboys. Boo. And other major sports <laughs> teams. Shoji, welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Sounds Georgie. like you're not a Cowboys fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a big Niners fan growing up. And so there's this rivalry okay. back in the day with the Cowboys yeah. and Niners. So anyways, what, anything it. I missed from the intro that you want to add? Uh, no, I, I think you covered it all. Okay. Well, let's start because everybody, I mean, I think I would assume that everybody knows a lot about SeatGeek already. You know, when you first joined, like, what was the first thing that you kind of focused on when you joined a big company like this? Yeah, so I think, you know, for me, as you might expect, the first focus for me was really just on trying to learn and understand, you know, getting my feet wet in the company, trying to understand, um, you know, what the industry is like, um, how the business as a whole worked, and what are the different kind of growth drivers and different marketing channels that help to drive that overall growth. Um, And in that process, one of the things that I kind of noticed uh, with SeatGeek was that a lot of the main KPIs across the different marketing channels were not super well-defined and not always completely consistent. Um, So one of the major sort of projects I think I took on was to try to formalize um, those KPIs. And, you know, for me, in terms of the KPIs, I like to break them out into two different buckets. Um, The first one is sort of the the North Star kind of metric, and then kind of the main constraint or constraints. Mm. Um, In terms of the North Star, 
I think, you know, that's basically the, the main metric you're trying to maximize and grow as much as possible. Um, and for us, you know, it was really important to understand, to make sure that it was a metric that was, you know, we knew was contributing to the growth of the overall company. Um, and so where we ended up landing on that for the different, uh, you know, acquisition channels was kind of the North Star for them was to drive first purchasers, right? We knew that different marketing channels were driving users to their first purchase that would help grow the company overall. Um, and at the company level, kind of the North Star is basically uh, gross revenue. Right. And then on the um, constraint side, uh, which I think is you know sort of just as important, because um, obviously you can spend spend all your way to to a lot of growth, um, but uh, that's not always healthy for the company. And so for that, for the different channels, uh, are the main constraint is a specific payback period, mm. right? Um, so for channels, you know, staying within a payback period. And then within that, you know, driving as many first purchasers as possible. And payback you mean for those, like if I'm selling a ticket to you, you buy it and then SeatGeek pays me back the money, like a partial. Yeah. So, yeah. So for every hundred, if we spent, you know, $50 to acquire new users, a new user, making sure that we get at least $50 back from that user. I get it. Then it's within a specific number of months. Got it. And then how do you figure out the months type of thing? How do we figure out what is a, the right number of months? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, it's interesting because we've been making a lot of changes to our payback period over time. Um, and I think to some extent, it's a little bit arbitrary, right? <laughs> but it's based on how much you want to balance, you know, on one hand, um, growth, right? Obviously, the, the longer your payback period that you're willing to accept, the more you're going to be able to pay per user, the more you're going to be able to spend and the faster you're going to be able to grow. But at the same time, you know, the more you're spending per user, um, you know, you have to, that has impact on cash in the near term and things like that. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a balance between kind of cash flow on the one hand and then top line growth on the other hand. Yeah. A couple of things I want to dive deeper into that you kind of mentioned was you said, first time user like you know a lot of the like the marketing thing is like hey it's a lot easier to sell to somebody you've already sold to like with a brand mm -hmm. like SeatGeek, like why not focus on the repeat purchaser rather than the first time purchaser yeah i mean i think um i was for the first time purchaser that was more for acquisition channels focus channels that are focused on acquisition I see. um we definitely on the other side have you know big focus on driving repeats as well I see. Okay, cool. And then the next thing, when you said the constraints, you said pick your North Star and then the constraints. Now, were these constraints related to the North Star? Like what would prevent us from hitting this North Star? Is that how you looked at the constraints too? Yeah, I think it's making sure that um, you have that right balance, right? So on the one hand, wanting fast growth. So that's where the first time purchasers kind of comes in. And on the other hand, making sure that you're spending efficiently. Yeah. Um, so that's where kind of the payback target comes in. And at the company level, our main constraint is a EBITDA target or basically a profitability right. target. Right. So we want to make sure that you know we hit a certain amount of profitability. But as long as we're hitting that, our main focus is on growing our top line overall. That's cool. Okay. Now, yeah. one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on was just your depth of experience from gaming to food delivery to now like live yeah. ticketing. So like, what has worked for you with the different channels given the different verticals too? Is there a common yeah. theme? It's it's interesting because um, you know, like you mentioned, going from gaming and then to kind of food delivery and then now to SeatGeek. Um, 
there's just been a lot that's the same and then yeah. also a lot that's different, right? right? And I think the overall core kind of conceptual part of it is the same, right? In the sense that, you know, in all these places we're trying to, you're focused on growing the company, right? And focus on different tactics and strategies and channels to get there. Um, so things like, you know, the, the importance of defining the KPIs, uh, the importance of experimentation and trying a lot of new things, all of those um have been, I think, pretty similar at the conceptual level, at least. Um, but then I've definitely noticed a lot of differences. Um, and these are things that I probably didn't really appreciate until I was in that different situation, right? Um, so I think one example is the the frequency or usage patterns across these companies is just very different, okay. right? So I went from gaming, which is basically a daily use app, right? And your best customers are going to the game like multiple times a day to uh, food delivery, where, you know, a good user is probably ordering delivery maybe once a week, mm-hmm. um, to live event ticketing, where, you know, ticket, tickets are, are expensive, right? right? Um, you could be shelling out a few hundred dollars. And so for a lot of these people, you know, if you're buying tickets once a quarter, you're a really good user. Right. Um, so these have different implications on kind of the strategy and everything as well. Um, you know, as an example with SeatGeek, um, because users are only naturally come to your app, maybe quarterly at best, um, it's much harder to um, make it more habitual for them, right? For you to always be top of mind because they're going go to go to you, buy tickets, and then maybe, you know, three months later, they've forgotten about you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that has a lot of, imp- I mean, hopefully they haven't, right? <laughs> right. A decent chance they have. Right. Uh, whereas with gaming, you know, you get them to come back like first day, second day, third day, they like, you are top of mind to them. Right. And so it impacts kind of the retention strategy. Um, I think it also has made um, something like search just a lot more important, right? Being able to capture the user when they're showing that right intent, mm. just because they're not they're not always doing that every day, right? Mm. Um, so search is really big for us, um, partially because of that, um, and then I think also partially because SeatGeek's a marketplace, right? And we're selling tickets to a lot of different. Um, live events. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who are interested in seeing, you know, Taylor Swift live or going to a Yankees game or a Lakers game. And they're telling Google that every day. Right. <laughs> and so if we can capture that and get in front of that, then we can convert those people interested in Taylor Swift and Lakers um, to become Seeky customers as well. Well, people are, I've, I've actually, one of my tricks to ASO is actually targeting like sports teams, right? We help the client double their downloads by getting them to be number two for Miami Heat because they tend to have really high traffic or not decent traffic, not high, but lower competition. So there's a there's room for you to show up for all these sports teams. So like I've, I've been meaning to just put like all these sports teams together and just <laughs> getting the data for all of them. But I know like yeah. the Warriors, you know, Cavs, any big popular team will work. Yeah, what what type of app is this? So this was like, so this is the crazy part, Shoji. It was yeah. a Groupon just specifically for the Miami area. Now. He, I will say that as a Groupon. The founder will say, no, it's so much more. But, you know, like for the general sense, it's, it's just Groupon for like the Miami yeah. area. But I was like, I don't know what else to target. Like Miami restaurants, Miami food, Miami delivery, like Miami something. So I was like, Miami heat, like duh, like duh, that should have search volume. So I just started looking at that and I was like, yep, it has like 2030 from a, if you guys know ASO search score. And then like the difficulty was like very low. So I just hacked it by putting Miami heat in the Spanish Mexico app name. We're mm-hmm. able to get number two for that for that keyword. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. The from the different categories, were there different marketing channels that work better? Are there ones that they're just like, hey, no matter what vertical, Facebook ads, duh. Like you know, like are there are there commonalities too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think probably you know Facebook and Google, <laughs> uh, they're going to dominate no matter what. Um, I mean, for us, you know, Google um, at Seeking Google is huge because of search, um, and it was also big at um, Orderhead kind of restaurant delivery. Mm -hmm. And that was similar where, you know, we were trying to leverage interest in different restaurants, right? Like you might be interested in restaurant like ABC. And so if, if we can capture that, we can make you a customer of Orderhead as well. Um, in, in gaming, you know, we did a, a lot of Facebook, right? Um, there's also that, you know, more of a long tail of different mobile ad networks mm. um, that kind of we're focused on with gaming. And that's something that definitely hasn't been a real part of the strategy at Orderhead or SeatGeek. And I think part of this is um, that, you know, a lot of that inventory is other games, right? And so if you're trying to sell a game, then it kind of makes sense to try to sell it in other games. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of natural. You can find a lot of great users um, who are just gamers in general. But if you're trying to sell tickets to a live event, it's just a little bit tougher, right, yeah. to do in some of those. And have you guys tried possibly going after like, okay, like maybe city travel, you know, like, does that, does it, are there comparative apps that you, from like a, the gaming perspective, something related to the gaming perspective, are there similar apps that you mm. guys have tried to do too? Yeah. I mean, I think something like travel is potentially a really good fit, right? Um, if you think about, especially people traveling to a new city and maybe they want to see travel to New York and you want to see theater or right? Broadway, mm -hmm. um, I think we've had some discussions with different companies on partnership opportunities. I think the pro the tougher thing about a lot of these is that, you know, we want to acquire users. We're not necessarily interested in selling kind of ad space to other people. Um, we actually did do that back in the day, but you know, now we're really trying to get people to make purchases on SeatGeek. And so a lot of the companies that would be natural fits for that tend to be in that same bucket as well, right? They're more interested in buying yeah. users and, and selling them. Well, one thing yeah. I definitely want to talk to you about was, some of the new and emerging UA channels that you've yeah. kind of been trying out, like what's what's something that you've been using or testing and something that you see like high hopes for? Yeah, a um, couple of channels that have been really big for us that I think are more newish. Um, one is influencer marketing and the other is um, podcasts. I think that, um, you know, influencer marketing in particular, it's been our fastest growing channel wow. um, at SeatGeek. And I think it happens to be just a really good sort of product channel fit um, for SeatGeek, right? When you think about SeatGeek, we're, you know, we're trying to sell tickets live events, obviously, but beyond that, we're trying to sell just the, the fun and joy and everything of going to a live event, right? And we can put together a Facebook ad that tells people like, oh, you should go to a live event, it's gonna be like a blast. Um, but it's so much more powerful to work with an influencer and, you know, get them tickets to the World Series and, you know, have them put together a really compelling video of them surprising their dad with these tickets, wow. you know, to see their hometown team and then them going to the game and cheering them on and having like a blast. And when you put something together like that, it's just a lot more powerful and it really just shows, you know, kind of that that experience. And it's a lot more authentic as well. It's a brilliant idea. Um, yeah, so that so we do a lot of that, right? We do a lot of work with influencers and basically send them to live events. <laughs> and I think that works well on the influencer side as well because a lot of influencers, you know, they're they're looking for content as well, right? And so 
sending them to live events gives them something really compelling to create videos from, yeah. right? Right. Um, if you if they're you know courtside at at a, a Knicks game, for example, or you know something like that, it so it works well, I think, for on both ends, right. and which makes it a good fit um, with. Podcast. Hold on, Shoji. And you want to hit on the so the influencer when you first said it, I was like, oh, you're kind of targeting artists and all this stuff. But you're like targeting just normal like people with following on Instagram or YouTube. Is that who you're targeting? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, could be normal people. Um, just a range. <laughs> Man, I gotta build up my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe it could be you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So, like, from a Acquisition perspective, you don't necessarily, I mean, this is what I'm assuming, like, because if you just said, hey, I'll get you courtside to the Warriors game, like, okay, you don't need to pay me anything else, right? Like, that's pretty good. But, like, yeah. are you guys, do you guys have to add on top of that or, like, can I figure out, okay, this video, when you're at the Warriors game, you got to create a video out of it and then you got to thank SeatGeek and check out SeatGeek. Is that the relationship that you're working with? Yeah. I mean, they're generally going to um, definitely sh shout out SeatGeek, kind of explain, <laughs> explain the app and everything. Um, and a lot of the times we will include a promo code with it as well. Mm. Um, and this is partially for attribution, right? So we can kind of track users that were driven by that video. And then partially just a way to get people over the hump as well, right? Giving them that little extra incentive to actually give us a shot. Yeah. Are there any things from a promotional perspective that you've seen, whether it's, hey, taking a picture through Instagram and then shouting out SeatGeek or, hey, the video actually works really well. Like, are you guys doing anything? Have you guys seen anything more effective? Which platform? Uh, we do. A, it's a lot of YouTube. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, across the different platforms as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine like everything. Like, hey, you know, shout us out on Instagram. Make an Instagram story out about it. You know, like that's how. I mean, that's, yeah. You know, like kind of execute that way. The the other thing I want to talk about was I forget, but. Okay, let's talk about podcasting before I remember, <laughs> so I can remember. <laughs> yeah, podcast is uh, another one uh, that's been pretty big for us, um, and I, I think in, I think it also happens to be a pretty good fit for SeatGeek in particular. Um, I think part of this is the same effect of you know you have an endorser out there who's talking about SeatGeek and it makes it much more authentic. Um, and you know, in this case, it'll be the host of a podcast. Um, who's, you know, going to say, you know, buy from SeatGeek, whatever, whatever, it's great. <laughs> um, and then the other aspect of it is that, you know, we predominantly tend to be on sports podcasts, right? Um, probably around two thirds, maybe a little bit less than that of our business is sports, as you might expect. Mm. Um, and, you know, sports podcasts are great because then you're getting, you're really targeting like the most avid fans, right? People who are not just interested in following the teams, but like want to kind of continue the conversation after that. Wow. Uh, so it's just a great way to get a, um, a lot of those, a lot of those types of users. So yeah. it's been, it's been big for us as well. And that the same tracking, like I know, I know you guys, sponsor a very popular podcast that I listen to, the Bill Simmons podcast, and he always has a promo yeah. code. Yeah, use the promo code BS10 or something. Get $10 off yeah. SeatGeek. Yeah, yeah. Um, those as well. It's, um, you know, pr predominantly include promo codes as well. Um, so in, in terms of like tracking attribution for these things, um, we'll tend to use a combination of the promo codes. And then also after you make your first purchase, there's a survey that basically asks you how you heard about us. Mm. And so that's that's another way for us to kind of tell, you know, if you say you heard about us from a podcast, then that's another signal. So we basically use a combination of those two signals 
and sort of triangulate them to figure out, you know, how many people we actually think those are driving. Now, when you first started thinking about like podcasting and influencer marketing, is there a process that you have in place? How do you find these new growth channels? I'm always looking for the new growth channels. I like to stay away from the obvious ones like Facebook and Google. Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, has anybody tried Reddit? You know, like th that type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I think, you know, in terms of, you know, how do we find new growth channels? Um, you know, I think there's the, there's the obvious things, right? Just keeping an eye out for what is out there, what's growing and, and all that. There's talking to peers and, you know, understanding what they're doing, what they're having success with. Um, and also understanding whether, you know, because of like product channel fit um, thing I was talking about earlier, like just because it worked well for them doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work well for us, but you know, it's at least worth considering. Um, one of the types of frameworks that I kind of like thinking about is, um, you know, if you think about like, who is your like really best target customer and then trying to think about for this person, you know, what is everything that they're doing every day from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed, right? What kind of apps are they using? What websites are they visiting in the real world? Where are they, where are they going? <laughs> are they, you know, riding the subway in the car, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and just because each of these touch points in the real world is an opportunity, right? For say Seeky to get in front of. Um, our best target customer. And, you know, there, there might be ways to, to buy into that, right? Kind of paid ads, there might be partnership opportunities, uh, there might be something else, but just using that as a way to, to think about that. Okay. Uh, the other interesting thing is, you know, I think at SeatGeek, we've, we've had periods of time where we've tried to do a lot of exploration of new channels, um, and maybe have gone a little bit overboard there. <laughs> and then other times when uh, we've kind of done the opposite, right? We've been very focused on the big channels we're working on now and kind of have not done enough testing. And at the companies I worked at, we've kind of gone a little bit back and forth between those um, at times. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's really important to have that right balance. Mm -hmm. I think right now at Seekook we're a little bit more um, probably overweighted on the kind of exploitation side of our current channels. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Seeky two years ago, I think was too much on the other end. I see. Um, so testing a lot of things, um, you know, running a lot of different channels at once and maybe not necessarily having enough time or, you know, energy to, to focus enough on any given one. And at that, this was before I was there, but um, I think at that time, the decision was made that, you know, we should really kind of double down and focus on the, the really big channels, right? Because there's so much more opportunity there that we're not yet realizing. Um, so something like, you know, SEM there is something that since then, you know, we've put a lot more focus into and have grown a ton. Um, and it's, you know, it's worked because once you have some of these bigger channels, growing that an extra, you know, 10, 15, 20% could have much more impact than getting something brand new off the ground. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, for us, I think now we're at the point where we've done a lot of that more low hanging fruit for some of these bigger channels. Right. And you know that at some point you're going to have some diminishing returns. Right. And so it's important to us to, to, you know, start to think about what are those next channels, more emerging channels that might carry us right. after this as well. Well, on the note of, you know, finding that new channel, figuring out that it works, how do you go about scaling it? And I talked to a few people on the, the summit, like, this is the hardest part, especially with influencer marketing. It's, it's hard. It's really hard to sell because 
scale yeah. because it's one on one, a lot of interactions, a lot of back and forth, and like intimate. Yeah. And you can hire an agency, but that doesn't really, you know, like it's way better to have that one on one interaction. So, how do you go about scaling yeah. your channel? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because at a lot of companies I've worked at, um, you know, obviously you always want to kind of grow and scale every channel faster. Um, and, you know, there have been times when, um, you know, say growth might be a little bit slow one month and then, you know, you've exec executives coming and say like, we need to grow faster, like go do it type of thing. Right. Uh, and it's, it's great. <laughs> um, you know, it's like def definitely everybody wants to do that. Um, but you know, growing faster is is not really a strategy in and of itself, right? Um, and so it's obviously important to understand like how you're going to make that happen, mm. um, and kind of what actions like we can take, right, that are going to drive that growth. Um, I guess conceptually, I like to sort of break it down into different kind of growth levers for a given channel. So if you think about a pay channel, for example. Um, this is kind of my own thing, but I like to think about it in like four different major levers, right? The first one is basically like full coverage. Um, and what I mean by this for something like paid search is, you know, we might be on Google right now and, you know, advertising on a specific set of keywords, right? But obviously if, if we are there, you know, every time anybody is searching for anything that indicates interest in any live event that we're selling, um, like we want to be there all those times, right? So that means, you know, are we on every platform that they could be searching for it, right? Obviously, Google being Yahoo, like voice, whatever it is, right? Um, are we maximizing kind of keyword opportunities? Are we, are we there as soon as that um, interest starts to become available, right? One big thing for um, kind of live event ticketing is that uh, you know, something might have zero interest, and then overnight, there's a ton of interest, right? Like, Beyonce announces a new tour. Right. Nobody cared the day before, and now like everybody wants in on that. Um, so making sure that we have really just full coverage of, of all of that interest. The second one um, is kind of call like an optimized funnel, right? So you know, obviously on the advertising side, you know, this means kind of optimized creative and copy and doing a lot of testing um, to testing on that, and then. But equally important is on the product side as well, right? So once they click on that ad and, you know, open the app or hit your website, making sure that that experience is really optimized and, you know, you're maximizing conversion rate and then ensuring that kind of the ad part of it and the product part of it are kind of in sync as well, right? That whatever you're trying to sell <laughs> with the ad, like that's what they're seeing when they when they land on your app as well. Um so, you know, this, we're just kind of constant testing, kind of iteration, both on our product and also on um, within our creative and our ads. Um, the, the third lever is kind of called like max like efficiency. And a lot of this is ensuring that, you know, we're always paying the right amount for every given user, right? Um, so we're always, obviously that we're staying within our payback targets overall. Um, that we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. but that for any given, say, impression, ideally, right, that you, you're paying exactly the right amount, right, so that you're not, like, overpaying in some cases and, and underpaying in other cases. Um, this is kind of a big thing for us on the paid search side right now of just trying to get much better at, at bidding, right, and knowing exactly how much to pay for a given user um, every single time because 
it, it just changes so much uh, from a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, for example, if, you know, the Yankees are playing at home over the next week versus if they're only have away games over the next yeah. week, impacts conversion rates like crazy because yeah. <laughs> people the last minute. Um, so kind of there's that piece. And then the last piece is, you know, just really the having competitive economics. Um, when I was in gaming, you know, we were going up against so many other games that just killed it from an LTV perspective, right? They just monetize their users so well. And it was tough, right? Because they could pay so much more uh, for these users than we could. Um, so I think that, you know, having strong margins or LTVs or whatever you want to call it, um, it's, it can be a real competitive advantage. Um, so, you know, kind of focusing on that end as well. I love it. And so... Yeah, for each of those kind of four components, if you're kind of focusing on each of those, then, you know, over time, it hopefully leads to growth. Yeah, so full coverage, optimize funnel, maximize efficiency, yeah. make sure. And then the last part was? Yeah. Your competitive economics. Right. I love that. Yeah, this is yeah. great. The, the, I remember the influencer marketing thing I wanted to ask you too, because <laughs> so I made sure I typed it in. But are you doing anything to leverage that video? So like the influencer creates it and then boom. Like, are you doing anything else to leverage that video? You know, that's, it's, an, it's a big opportunity for us that we've been exploring um, because that's one thing where, you know, we, we think that there, there could or should be an opportunity to like, once they create a video, we could potentially amplify it further, right? Via paid means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously it's the influencer's video that they're creating. So we have to, you know, think about, um, working with them, getting their permission or whatever it is to make that happen. But that's that's something we're thinking about right now um, and actively trying to test. I know Shamath, yeah. who was in New York where we met too, who runs Songpop, mm-hmm. who runs Growth for Fresh Planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so about, that was the tip that I got from him. He's like, he, we work with mm-hmm. influencers, but we actually take that video and run Facebook ads and just, and that's been killing it from a Facebook ads perspective too. So, and I love the story got that you it. said, like father, son, you know, like maybe going to a basketball game, courtside, like, who does, what is it, what, you know, like target fathers, right? Like around yeah. 40, 40 to 50 year old, right? And then you, you get yeah, their yeah, sons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, the, you know, influencers have a specific audience, right? It tends to be a lot of people, like young people and things like that. And, you know, I think after a while, you can kind of like maximize that or kind of saturate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where something like paid can really come in handy um, of reaching an audience who's not already actively following these influencers. Yeah. Um, so something we're definitely actively thinking about. That's awesome. Well, Shoji, this has been awesome. Like I've learned so much from this. Is there anything I missed that you want to hit on? Um, no, I think you got it all. Cool. Well, it is SeatGeek, the ticketing app that I use as well. So you should check it out. If there's a promo code, you throw that in there as well, Shoji. But if the audience does want to follow up with you personally or anything else you want to send them? Um, yeah, I mean, it, they can always reach out to me, my email. Um, it's Shoji, S-H-O-J-I, at SeatGeek.com. Cool. Um, and yeah, happy to, to hear from anyone. Well, check out the app. It is SeatGeek. You should already know about it. About it. But yeah. <laughs> Shoji, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been great being here. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.